0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! It is wonderful to gather and to celebrate this great solemnity of the Nativity of Our Lord's birth. And the the preacher's dilemma is, I keep, keep um, reminding myself, is uh, sometimes uh, I, I think I have to say something new or something novel or about, about these readings, and and uh, the problem is we perhaps have grown so familiar with them. That we forget the real power that there is in these words and what we celebrate. And uh, and I uh, probably am a broken record, but I keep reminding us words, especially adverbs and adjectives have power. And we just sang or or recited one. Today is born a Savior. That yes, Christ came some 2,000 years ago and uh, was placed in that manger wrapped in a swaddling cloth. But today, he's born. Born again for us, born for us. And it is with great joy that we uh, that we celebrate. When we look at this nativity story as uh, St. Luke records it for us, uh, as I said, uh, at the beginning of Advent, uh, there's... St. Luke is very careful; he wants us to know the historical context, and for I think it comes down to one massive good reason, and that is because Christ came in a very particular time and place. it wasn't like the other the, the false gods and the Greek gods and Roman gods and all those that just kind of spring into being or or well where their fathers come from or where where, where did they come from and where here. As we heard at the, uh, the Mass, uh, well, for the evening, the Eve Mass, we heard the genealogy according to Matthew. And that genealogy reminds us that God had prepared a line for Jesus Christ that rode its way through from Abraham all the way through David, through the Babylonian exile, through Jesus Christ, through Joseph, It shouldn't disturb us, by the way, that Joseph is a foster father and not a biological father because, as uh, those who study Roman and and Greek history would know, so often that was the case for the kings and the emperors. They were adopted or or named emperors, and yet they had some lineage going on that they, they had a claim to this. And so St. Luke begins with this decree from Caesar Augustus to enroll. And so often we have this pious thought that of Joseph going down from Galilee, Galilee to Nazareth and there are um, not able to find room in the inn. And I hate bursting bubbles, but I, I find it interesting and haunting to think about if uh, if it's correct, uh, scripture theologians tell us that the word for "in" we have twice in the Gospel of Saint Luke, and both times it seems to be referring to the guest room of a family, a private family residence. That that where the guests would stay, because Saint Luke uses another word for "in" in the the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you remember that well, Jericho was a large city. It probably had multiple inns. Bethlehem was very, very small. If you want a comparison, it probably was about the size of Ghent. Jerusalem was next door, five miles, six miles away. It's coincidentally about how far we are from Ghent and how far Ghent is from Marshall. So they would have, all the guests would have stayed most likely because you could have walked that five miles. Bethlehem probably didn't have an inn. And certainly, probably didn't have more than one, if they did have one. But it's even more haunting when I consider that there was no room for them in the family house, in the guest room. And yes, giving birth is something of a private affair, and if there were more than one or two families, you wanted some privacy. But all the same how there was not room for the Holy Family, not room for the birth of Jesus in the family that he was staying with, the family that most likely he knew, that St. Joseph knew. And I think that's a reminder for all of us, for ourselves. Do we as families have room for Jesus Christ? Do we have room for him? And if we don't, we're in a world of hurt. If you remember back four weeks ago, too, I I shared that one of the reasons St. Luke perhaps recorded uh, uh, the particular time and place is it was a tip of the hat, perhaps, to remind us of the Pax Romani, the peace that Rome had established. It was a tentative peace, and it wasn't, it certainly wasn't the kind of peace that I would write home to, but it was relatively calm, and so often our world looks to governments and looks to this and looks to that, looks to all the external things and all the, all the ways for, for peace. And, and if we're honest, there really isn't ever any peace in the world. There's always conflict somewhere. There's always division somewhere. There's always somebody hurting, somebody suffering natural disasters, tornadoes or typhoons, earthquakes snowstorms, there's always suffering. Jesus comes to be our peace. Jesus comes to give peace. And this is a peace that the world cannot begin to understand. And a peace that, as we hear towards the end of this gospel passage, a peace, uh, the kind of peace that is talked about even as we sing it. Do you realize every time we gather Sundays outside of Advent and Lent and Solemnities, we sing the peace that we received that first Christmas night. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill, or peace to people on whom God's favor rests. It's the peace that the world cannot receive because they do not have room for him, for Christ. But it's the peace that we receive And I think it's telling that the first witnesses, besides, of course, St. Joseph, the Blessed Mother, really, she was a participant and not really a witness, if we're honest. The first witnesses to the birth of Jesus Christ were shepherds, the lowest of the low. As Pope Francis reminds us, or reminded us as priests, when shortly after he was elected, that we as pastors need to start smelling like the sheep we know what sheep smell like. They don't smell like grass, they smell like the exhaust of grass so often. the Shepherds in the days of Jesus were the outcasts, they were the lowest, they were the ones who were looked down upon. Their witness meant nothing and yet it was precisely to the shepherds, the unlikely ones, that God reveals through the angels that Christ is born. Isn't that hope for all of us? Isn't that hope that we can establish and have a place for peace in our hearts? That if even the shepherds, the lowest of the low, can receive Jesus Christ, we too can receive him. We too can have that peace. This is a great night because Christ is born for us. Christ comes to us as peace, a peace the world cannot understand. If we're honest, and I keep going back to this, the last 21 months have been interesting, to say the least. That's an understatement, perhaps. We've seen our world divided by a number of things. We've seen our, our country divided by a number of things. We've seen it hurt by this virus. We've seen it hurt and and lack in so many areas. We see the economy and various other things struggling, people out of jobs. If we look at the world, we're not going to find peace. But if we look at Jesus Christ, if we go to the stable, if we go to the manger, if we peer in, there we see the one who is our peace. St. Luke records twice, and I, I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't pay attention until now this year, but St. Luke records twice that they wrapped him in swaddling claws. This was a way of comforting a baby. And one commentator I, I've recently read said that swaddling claws, a mother who did not swaddle her child in the days of Jesus was considered abusive. Not just neglectful, but abusive. Swaddling was a way of giving comfort and peace to the, the child. Well, the swaddling claws are ours. That God swaddles us in the arms of his mercy. That's where our peace comes from. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. We know it affects us in ways that are telling. But in the end, peace comes from Christ. Peace comes when we find a place for him. The family that they were staying with, there is no room for them. May there be room for him in our hearts, in our families, in our lives this day.